Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 129 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my one regular co-host, Gabe Vonaceeve. Hey, Harry. Hey, everyone. It's good to have a proper host uh, doing the podcast with me. Yeah, definitely. Well, yes, I am the proper host this week. Sadly, we don't have the fake host, Pat, with us. Um, there were some work commitments and life commitments, so sadly could not make it on, but I could. I guess a uh, quick little breakdown for those who don't know, I am on exam season at school, but it ends on the 24th of May. So uh, after then, we're going to be doing full-time magic content, which is fun, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about magic. This week, lots has happened uh, in terms of myself and Gab. Gab been playing a bit of modern, looking at the results, but also I've been playing a lot of Pioneer. While I haven't been able to do much content, uh, in my spare time at night, I've been grinding mono green leagues, like I said last time I was on. But also, I managed to play the Pioneer Showcase Challenge, which was great. And one of my close friends, Cherry X-Men, actually made it to the semifinals. And I was uh, with him on Discord throughout most of it. I was watching while I was revising. Um, but yeah, before we get into the conversation of those two formats, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Card Market. For those who know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be deck boxes, accessories, singles... Uh, you can buy other card games on there like um, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. Go check them out. They're insane. They sponsor the cast. Keep us here. As well as if you personally like to support the uh, the podcast, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Midweek Metagame. No pressure to do so, that, but that's the best place to support us. And we should thank two Patreons. I'm not sure if we said thank you to you for supporting our content, but we'll still thank you anyways, Matt and Mark, for supporting our content over the past few months. I really appreciate you for joining the Patreon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, it's great. And uh, I guess before we get into things, was there anything that I wanted to say? Oh, I've completely forgot. No, I think we're just getting straight into Pioneer things, right? Yeah. Okay, good. sick. Um, Yeah, like I said, you know, I have been playing a lot of Mono Green in Pioneer. I think it is one of the best decks right now, if not the best deck. I think that Nykthos is extremely powerful, but I don't, I don't think many people disagree. Um, you know, I've been playing a lot of leagues. I think I have two or three five O's on Magical Line with it by now. Playing about, I would say I play about one league every two days. Um, not, not, not many changes or any changes at all since I've last been on the podcast. And I've been tuning the list with a few friends of mine. Uh, that's Twinless Twin, Cherry X-Man, and also, um, one of my friends, Wyden. Just, you know, Discord chilling, playing, playing some Pioneer. And, um play the showcase so i guess i'll do a quick tournament breakdown i did go 4-0 sorry i did go 4-4 starting 4-0 and then i went 0-4 in the last four rounds it really stung luckily i still managed to top 64 for min cash which was kind of nice for the the mega heartbreaker um but luckily cherry he, he managed to top eight with um 74 out of 75 of the list that we we're playing we actually disagree on one thing and that's uh, Cherry plays three Grafdiggers Cage in the sideboard and two Voracious Hydra, whereas I play two Grafdiggers Hydra, uh, two Grafdiggers Cage in the sideboard and three Voracious Hydra. And the my logic is that Voracious Hydra is great in the mirror. It's great against Winoda, and Grafdiggers Cage is only good against Winoda, and it's okay against Lotus Field, which is actually surprising because you wouldn't expect Grafdiggers Cage to be good against Lotus Field. But because they play um, Soltai Ultimatum to get um, some creatures sometimes, it's okay. Um, but 
in general. I think Pioneer right now, for people who aren't following the format, the top decks I'd be concerned about is obviously Green, um, Winota, Blue-Red Control, you've got Red-Black Mid-Range, you've got Mono-Blue Spirits, um, and you've got Lotus Field. I believe those are the top decks that you'll play against in leagues. And then you do have some really decent lists that you don't see as much, like Blue-White Control is played, but is, is good, but not played a lot, as well as um, Niv, because I feel like the Control decks are actually lower in the tier lists than these really fast, low-to-the-ground decks, because right now, uh, Pioneer is a combo format, which I, I don't know. Did you know that, Geb? No, not really. I don't know much about Pioneer. I was going through the list. I did see that there's a bunch of uh, new Capenna cards being played, a bit more than in Modern, whether it's the, the Ledger, the, the new Angel, and uh, yeah. a few others. But what, what do you mean by it's a combo? Because I was actually looking at the two top eights this weekend, and there was no Lotus Field decks to be found. Yeah, so I think I think right now I see Pioneer as combo because the problem you have with the format is because of um, how many cards are banned and how limited the card pool is, you have like this weird balance between removal and premium spells. And I feel like what people have done is they've streamlined their decks to kind of focus on one card. So, for example, Winota is focusing on the Winota. Uh, Mono Green, you're focusing on your Nykthos and building a big board. Um, the Blue-Red Control decks really lean in on Thing in the Ice and their card advantage. You know, every deck is really leaning in on one card. I mean, I guess that's what formats typically do. But the way you win in this format is by having cheap win cons. And that's where you get the combo from Winota, uh, Green, and Is It Control being my top three decks. I feel like you're either trying to be really low to the ground and assemble a massive board or be extremely disruptive. I, do, I really don't think there's much in between. And I one thing that Cherry and I really worked down, really have been trying to nail into our game plan, is that with Green specifically and Winota, because we have tested Winota as well, is that you just want turn one elf. Like, we'll mull to five almost every hand to get a turn one elf. Because while it seems like green can be this mid-range deck, right? You know, you can play a couple lands, you can cast a Wolf Willow Haven and, and a Cura, maybe a slow hand. In reality, that's really not good against the format. You know, uh, we found that slow hands in general just lose. And obviously, if we're looking for fast hands, the format is fast. It, I, I believe it's leaning towards combo. And that's why I think that I would put Winota and Green typically at the top. And that's also why you see all these mid-range decks hyper-focusing on creature removal. Like, a lot of games where you lose against blue-white control or red-black or... Red -black or um, Niv, it's because they have all creature removal. And that's what these decks are really trying to do to stop all these combos uh lotus field i think is not doing great not because it's a bad combo but because uh green is really popular right now as well as everyone is playing everyone who's not playing green is playing uh hard counters and i think i think that Lotus is just getting beaten up by the metagame, especially like mono blue spirits. That must be literally almost a 0% matchup for, for, for Lotus Field. I, I have no clue how they would beat that. 
with Muslim wanderers and all these uh, lofty denials and, and whatever. So I, w I would put the format as really low to the ground, almost combo essentially in every deck. Because even, even, let's say, is it control? You have the combo of Narset plus Days Undoing, you know? I feel like everyone's trying to do s some sort of one, two card combo in the format because of how low to low power a lot of your cards are. Okay, yeah. It, it, looks, it looks like kind of a powerful format, you know, pretty similar to, to Historic. A lot of these decks could be kind of Historic decks. Um... I see Spirits one actually won the the showcase. How how did the showcase work already? It's top top eight qualifies for the final tournament. Yep. So every uh, person in the top eight gets the token, and then the top eight just for cash. Where I think actually both first first and second are almost the same prizes. I think it's like they both get foil sets, but the difference is like play points and fifty chests. Yeah. So how far do you push the logic of Noel turn one? You would still keep something like two lands, a haven, and you know a decent curve after that. If you're on the play, on on the play specifically, the oh, um, only time we will, I, I, or at least me, I'll keep a no elf hand is um, an oath of Nissa plus like. Typically, you want to be doing something really busted on, on turn four. So if you're yeah. doing something really good on turn four, then you can most likely keep it. But um, I only like to keep no elf hands when I have Haven and Cura. Or you have Troll plus Nykthos. Troll plus Nykthos is really powerful. And if you, like, if you, if you aren't really casting a lot of high mana spells by turn four, you're just going to get run over, you know? And it, it's it's worth it going down on the cards because a lot of the time in this green deck, you'll need to resolve one um, one spell. Like, a lot of the time, I, I'm happy to keep um, five land hands, two elves. I will I actually keep that quite a lot. Or, or no, I just will keep that because um, you only need one or one four mana spell or above to hit the table, and you're looking really, really good. And and a card like Kiora is really nice as well because the static ability is what makes Kiora even over the top busted to draw a card whenever you cast a four power or greater creature. So, you know that is an interesting question. When do you not keep an elf? But t typically, if I had to go with a general sweeping statement, it would be I'm mulling for the elf. Yeah. What about uh, Niv? That used to be my favorite deck back when I played Pioneer. I saw Claudio H won the challenge on Saturday and then top eight it on Sunday. I think you told me he actually lost to Cherry X-Man kind of badly. Is mm -hmm. Niv actually tier one or is it just Claudio doing Claudio things and kind of outplaying people, I guess? So I think that Niv has a, has, has a very tough time. Because you need to both be disruptive and get card advantage. And I don't really um, understand its position in the format. Because Valky is very powerful and everything it does is very powerful. But your mana is so slow. So I would, I would say it's, it's a good deck. 
but you need to know how to play it. Like, I ain't going near Niv, because I don't know how I would beat all these elf decks, you know? Because Niv's line is typically Tapland, Karyatid, like, Tapland into Karyatid into whatever. And the reason why green runs over Niv is because typically they're casting their removal spell on turn three. And what was I saying? Our game plan is to cast a heavy hitter on turn three. So if yeah. you're setting up your removal spell for my elf on turn three... When I'm already planning to cast a Karn, planning to get a Nissa on the table, planning to get a Cavalier down, it's very, very slow. As well as the problem I have with uh, Niv is that when you're playing against, like, you get run over by all the low-to-the-ground decks, is essentially what I'm saying. And I don't like playing this slow game plan, but I definitely can see why it's decent. Like, Omnath gains you a ton of life. And Valky is a decent planeswalker. So I would say I would say it's a good deck, but I would not choose it in a tournament. And I don't see why you would play in a tournament. Because I don't see what you gain specifically from playing a deck like Niv for like I don't know where you get get the percentage points in the metagame. Probably can keep up. I mean the the green matchup used to be not that bad. I the green matchup used to be slightly favored, I thought, was Niv back in the day. I see he doesn't play Solar Flare anymore. He just plays Extinction Event and Clarion. I'm assuming maybe that's because creature composition change of it. Maybe because of Troll. So maybe Solar Flare is not a... Because that card used to be stellar against against the green decks. Solar Flare? What what does that do? That's a red, white, and two sweeper. Creatures deal damage to themselves. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. I, the The thing that I have is that I'm not really sure if sweepers are that great against um uh, against winota or ramp because i guess if you get them down really fast yeah it's good but like winota for example you have a lot of creatures they don't really care about and i'm wondering you know because obviously a voice of resurgence yeah and... well that's maybe that's why he has extinction event because if you look mm. at the green deck actually most of your creatures are are odd, which means your carrot is not even gonna die. You get the exile effect to get rid of troll and cavalier of thorns, so that's really nice. And you're talking about uh, voice of resurgence in in Winota. Uh, probably a little trick here, but it does seem like most of the creatures are even casting costs besides the the elf. Even your free drop fable is actually just even because it makes a token. So. Yeah, I feel like maybe extinction events just really well positioned and. That helps you keep up. Yeah. I, I I definitely see, like, these control decks are okay because I would put Niv as control, but, you know, I don't really... It's it's one of those metagames where it's like, why try and beat the fast decks? You know, why play uh, Blue White Yuri and why play Niv? Or instead, play the fast deck and tr try and just go under them because you really do go under them. And that's how Cherry 2 owed. Um, the Niv deck so easily you just go under them and then they they really can't do anything they can sweep but you got your planeswalkers and and whatnot um i think i think something that came out of the blue for a lot of people though was this mono blue deck and i guess this is probably the last deck that i'll mention and it's honestly it's very very similar to this mono blue deck that you top uh made the finals in gp leal right in 2018 it's a very similar game plan. Just um, get Curious Obsession down on a one drop and bash. And yeah, the, yeah sorry. 
the, the creature base a little different. I, I had like the Merfolk that taps. You couldn't just play all spirits team. This is, I think, 100% spirits except for Brazen Bar. But yeah, yeah, you do have Curious Obsession was 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 counterspell deck up. Yeah, and and um the the star card in the list is Geist Light Snare, and it says it's it's a three mana mana leak, but it says this spell costs one less to cast if you control a spirit, and it costs one less to cast if you control an enchantment. So if you go turn one Mausoleum Wanderer, turn two Curious Obsession, you now have a one mana mana leak, and that's how this deck wins a lot of the time. They go one drop, curious obsession, attack, mana leak, attack, um, and then rattle change your removal spell. Play shackle geist, tap your creature, attack, 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 and 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 th this is a very realistic draw. They have this a lot of the time, and they have lofty denials as well, so they can just play one drop, attack, lofty denial your spell, um, or or if you cast nothing relevant, they rattle chains, and then they never have to tap out. They got faceless haven. Um, I I really like this deck as a as the actual I honestly control deck in the format. The way they operate is very control heavy, and yeah. I really would go for this over something like blue white control because you have so much, uh, so many options in this deck, and actually a lot of lines, and and I I think this is easily, um going up there with one of the best decks and i've been seeing this in tons of leagues i think i played it against three times in one league uh recently which was insane and this deck beats up on green i would say green is like 35 percent in this matchup because they're just so low to the ground none of your planeswalkers stay on the table and they just draw so many cards and let's say you carn for boat they can have rattle chains and whatnot it's so so backbreaking to play against this deck yeah that's a really bad matchup for for green right it's it's weird because this deck is the main deck's basically i think all of it is historic legal and it's it's okay in historic the power level is a bit higher in historic but it's it's okay it's kind of feels like pretty play draw dependent in my experience and it can kind of beat anything and it can lose to anything it's a in my experience it's a very 50 50 ish kind of deck um but i guess power levels a bit lower in in pioneer and Maybe the maybe the cards line up a little better. I know a card like Shackled Geist is basically unbeatable for the green deck. Just so many things make it so tough for the green deck. Mm. Uh, I remember I lost to that deck. I think the, the one of the few leagues I played was the green deck. They even have Ether Gust in their sideboard. They also have a new card actually called Witness Protection. It's one blue aura. I think it's from New Capenna. That's the symbol. It's Enchant Creature, and it says. Enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a green and white citizen creature with base power and toughness one one name legitimate business person. <laughs> um, kind of funny flavor, but yeah, that's a pretty cool card. It's kind of a one mana removal spell, honestly, in in a lot of spots. If you're playing a control deck, giving them a one one, you know, it can add up chip damage and. Maybe they, they get to use a creature for something, but if you're playing blue skies, you're trying to race anyway. So, the cards that's that's pretty sweet technology. I don't know if it's kind of stock already or if it's something that Fing sixty four who won the tournament uh, figured out. Is that a card you've you've ever seen cast? Um, I I I have had it cast many times against me because the way you beat this deck is with Cavalier of Thorns because it has Reach, and they just yeah. put it on there. Um. As well as it's an enchantment, so it reduces the cost of Geist Light Snare, which is why they like it. 
And yeah, yeah. I I, th I, th I mean, I think it's good. I mean, it's what the deck needs. I I can't list off every reach creature creature in the format, but removal spell that's what you need. Yeah, I remember we speculated. I thought Geist Light Snare might be kind of a big deal in Historic. And I was kind of underwhelmed that I caught. I felt like it didn't come up very often. It was just worse than Lofty den Denial in general and not quite there. But because you don't have many enchantments, you just have four Curious Obsession in the main deck. Yeah. I... Ob obviously, Mana Leak is still fine if you just have a flyer, it's still Mana Leak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I think that a lot of the time, I, I've never seen a Geistlight Snare be cast for three, and I think I've played against this deck like pff, easily ten times. It's it's a yeah. pain to play against this deck. But I, I think the only last comment that um, I would I'd like to say about Pioneers, you, you mentioned it there, this deck is kind of a 50% deck in Historic. It's it. I think that most decks in Pioneer are fifty percent decks, and I think that's one of the biggest criticisms of the format. People get really annoyed by the fact that Pioneer feels like, uh, you know, the die roll at the start of the match, who's going to win because combo heavy, or you know, who does their broken combo because everyone's trying. A lot of people, a lot of decks, sorry, are trying to ignore each other. Like Green versus Winota is a very like I'm going to ignore each other and see who can, you know, do their thing. Is Winota going to get their big dudes down or am I going to Karn Grafter's cage? Um and I'm having a lot of fun with the format, but I can definitely agree with the fact that a lot of these decks are just good because they're 50% decks and then what where the skill lies, I think, is the mullig a lot of the time is the mulligan decisions. I think a lot of um, mistakes I see in Pioneer, like a lot of my big easy wins, are I mulligan to my elf, and then my blue-red opponent doesn't have a burn spell, for example, even though they kept seven. Like, yeah. Or a, or my my blue-red opponent um, doesn't have a burn spell or a thing in the ice, which is like insane to me, for example. You know, I feel like a lot of... that That's just the most obvious one, but I feel like where the skill in this format lies is the mulligan. So if you're looking to get into Pioneer, don't just think that your general mulligan plan will work with any deck that you play, because I really do think that's where a lot of it lies, because I, I think it is like some sort of a 50% format. Yeah, it makes sense, because you mentioned that it's kind of a combo format, and each player is trying to do their own thing, kind of ships passing in the night and focus on their own game plan. And typically... The more a matchup is that way, the more it, you know your both players are kind of ignoring what what the other is doing. The less it matters, you know, if you're down a card or two. All that matters is if you curve out. You know, it doesn't matter if you mulligan to five and you end up with zero cards in hand when you win the game, and your opponent kept seven cards and dies with five or six cards because they kept a slow hand, a bad hand. So it actually makes sense that you you mentioned kind of. Combo format, ships passing in the night, focus on their own synergies, and you're also saying that mulligan is super important and you should mulligan aggressively. Yeah, definitely. Do you do you have uh, any eyes on a deck in the format right now? No, not really. I was. I had one last question: Is it worth you think playing Ceratops in the green sideboard, or is the Spirit Battle kind of just lost and not just hope to dodge it? Ceratops is the the pro blue can be countered, right? Yeah, or is that not even that great? So the problem I have with green is that I have no... Well, the thing is, we already have um, 
uh, Voracious Hydra in the board. Voracious Hydra is the most flexible card in the board right now because it gets mono red, mono green mirror, Winota, and it, it's it, you board it in against spirits, as well as there are a few matchups where you bring it in just because it's better than the one of Pelucranos in the main. So the problem with green right now is every cyborg card that I have has been it's been very justified because I've changed this cyborg so many times. So basically, that's a long way to answer your question. I think the answer is no, because not only does two cyborg slots against one matchup probably rare, not even affect the win rate that much. It's that I we I only have four cards in the board that are slots that I can actually sideboard in because everything else is for Karn and every Karn sideboard slot is justified because what we've tried to do is get one card in every matchup where most likely if we resolve it after getting a Karn down minus for it cast it, we probably win the game. Like, um, re only recently a lot of green players have adapted like the Immortal Sun tech, for example, I think. You need, you need to have so many heavy hitters in the board, and there's just no room. And I don't see I don't see a world where I would go away from Voracious Hydra because of how many games you steal. As well as against this deck on the play, if you go Elf, turn to Hydra for one, ping your Wanderer, sometimes you can just steal a win. Okay. So cool. I, 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 think, I, think, I think it's okay to play a card like... Um, the the ceratops that you're suggesting but i just I, I i can't find room to put anything in the board yeah anymore um but you you said you've been playing a bit of modern been looking a bit tinashi in the challenges yeah i didn't play a ton this week i played mostly arena but i did play the show the showcase on saturday and a challenge on sunday both modern on saturday i just played fairly stock uh four color elementals and I, I did okay i think i went maybe five free i had some 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 close matches some 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 good matches nothing too too special mm -hmm. but i i was taking a look at the top eight see if maybe people used a bit more new cabana cards this weekend and the answer is not really there was one one merc tide list was four ledger in it but i think the consensus is that Ledger is not that great. And, you know, Pike Gaunty put it in a tweet saying that it doesn't really solve any of your problems. It's more of the same thing. You know, the deck's already really good at card selection with DRC and whatnot. So you don't really need more of that. I, uh, you know, I played a bit against it in, in Historic and it is nice when you go DRC into Ledger. Like the, the list that's playing Ledger is actually not playing DRC. And I feel like, I don't know, it's nice to get that extra consistency, I guess. Uh, you know, some of the best draws for Merktide is one drop into one drop. And this gives you more, more chances to go one drop into one drop. So, or one drop into two drop, which is also fine. Mm. Um, there was a, a, a cool list. Tameshi came in, in third on, in the showcase, played by Cosmic Sans, and they were actually playing Explorer. They basically uh, cut the Renin 6. That I mean, I was playing Renin 6. Other people have been playing. You know, there's that these flex slots. Basically, in the flex slots, they decided to play two Grazers and four Explorer, 
which was kind of their innovation, which makes sense. You know, it, it fits very well in the deck. So that that was an interesting take. And their sideboard was drastically different too. Instead of playing a lot of one-offs that you can maybe tutor for, they just had four defense grid, four Leyline of the Void, four Leyline of Sanctity. And then did they, did they have a, a few hate bears? You know, they had Lavinia, Deputy of the Detention, and a Meddling Mage. I guess Deputy is pretty cool against Rhinos. Mm. I'm not sure what else you would bring it in against, but um, yeah. So that, that was always, always uh, cool to see. And then it was kind of Livigan's weekend, I guess. Three copies in, you know, two copies in the showcase, one in the challenge. I know Canister won a big uh, tournament in Poland, was living in two. And I guess he just decided it was the best deck right now. Pretty, pretty stockless. I guess the one subtlety in the main, the two Sky Turtles. The one thing that that seemed to stick is the two auto are starting city. I was super skeptical, but I haven't played a ton of living in and I keep seeing People play two Ottawara, and I'm assuming it's got to be good by now because it's it's something you get burned by pretty easily, right? Some things, you know, some deck building decisions, you're not really going to notice, and, you know, it's hard to say, but I feel like Ottawara is kind of, you know, someone who plays a deck, and after a few, you know, two games in a row where they, they get screwed because they drop both Ottawara, they would be off it, and we back down to one. But if everyone seemed to be on the two auto or planet it's got to be good i actually lost to that car last time i played the the, the matchup i was playing they just i was playing tameshi bloom and they just bounced my tameshi at a key moment and that was good enough to to get them to win so yeah that was that was dad there was blue white urza that made a comeback kind of the list people used to play charlie which is a a PT winner, Antonio Del Moral Leon. He came in second in the showcase. I saw he tweeted the decks busted, yada, yada. Mm. I don't know. It's kind of the old list that I played for a while. I thought that deck was good. It's kind of draw dependent. It's kind of the same in, in historic, you know, the the, the, the historic version that Jean-Emmanuel de Paz used to do well in the last big uh, set championship. It, it's super powerful. It does really cool stuff. It has a lot of same cards as historic, you know, as for Sentinel, Ingenious Smith, Dot Monitor, you don't get Urza in Historic, you do get it in Modern. But uh, kind of same deck, same strength, same weaknesses. You know, you get to play Sentinel, and then when you curve out and things go well, Dex is busted. But your mana is a little sketchy, can be a little inconsistent. And also relies pretty heavily on Portable Hold being good. Basically, when Portable Hold is really good in the matchup, the deck becomes much better because you have four in the main, and you get to find them with Ingenious Smith in your card draw. So... You know, when that card's good and people are not messing too much with you, then then the deck is good. Um, so that was that was one of the decks that stood out. There was a couple burns. I always I always felt I actually lost to burn against on on Sunday. You know, I I dodged burn on Saturday. They did pretty well. Sunday did not dodge burn, and I, I always kind of get a little salty because I feel like burn has no great matchups. But every weekend, burn seems to do okay. Put up put up numbers. There's you know, two two different copies in the top is this weekend. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. I feel like it has only a good matchup against four color Omnath and you know maybe another couple of fringe decks. I think it's bad against Living In, bad against Murktide, bad against Rhino, bad against Hammer Time. So I don't know where these burn players pick up their wins, but they seem they seem to do so. Is it just in people's mana bases maybe? I mean looking at the Living End deck. They're, no, they don't even have that many shock lands. I don't know. 
yeah, I, I don't know either. I always thought it was, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty good matchup. But uh, there's another. There was the Fiddle Bender deck that that made a, a showing. They were actually playing a new card, the Halo Fountain, hmm. which is the weird artifact that you, you tap. You tap it, and one creature get a one-one. You tap it, and two creatures you get a draw card, and then you, you pay five, tap it, type fifteen on that creatures you control, you win the game. And I was going through the list, trying to see if there was some kind of maybe infinite combo, something that untaps and whatnot. And I don't think so. So I, I guess maybe it was Sword of the Meek and Foundry and Trump. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's just there for value. <laughs> Who knows? The, the modern yeah. format looks like it hasn't changed, honestly. It, the only thing I see that's new is everyone stacking in on Living End, like you were saying. And it just makes me wonder if it's because people aren't packing enough graveyard hate. Yeah, I, it's weird, right? It, I mean, Living End can beat graveyard hate, and it's it's pretty resilient. But I remember back, you know, months ago when I played a ton of Living End, I felt like, you know, one week I'd have, you know, depending on people's sideboard, I would have a favorable, a slightly favorable or slightly unfavorable matchup, you know. If you played against Blue Red Murktide and they just had maybe, you know, one chalice and maybe a couple of relics or one relic, they were pretty low on the hate, then you were good. But if they had like multiple relics and a chalice or two and some extra spell peers, then the matchup became bad and you would think people would adapt. It's it's not a secret that living in is is one of the best deck, if not the best deck, so yeah, I'm a little surprised to keep seeing uh, seeing it do so well. But uh, there was one card that people were trying, actually. One of the most played new Capenna cards besides Ledger is the, the Hearse. It's the two-mana vehicle that exiles cards from the graveyard, and you can uh, oh wow, crew, you know, it grows as you exile cards. So that was actually a player who, who played two in the main end of their Merc-type deck and two more in the sideboard. They didn't top it, they came in tense, but going a bit down the list... Uh, yeah, you could find um, you could find that, and then his last thing that stood out to me was uh, just Monsieur Cafouillette, who won the challenge. Was blue white control? That's uh, Wafo's uh, friend. They always they pretty much play blue white control every weekend, and uh, right now they're on the fire ice dress down plan as a mm-hmm. flex slots, I guess. Uh, still snapcaster trimmed on solitude just to so. Nothing too too incredible, but good job. Um, you know, I'm happy happy to see him do well, and and Wafo too, because I've had especially Mr. Cafiat. I've had his number. We've played a lot in the since the beginning of the year, and I'm usually on four color and that matchup stuff for them. And I've beaten him like the last four, five, six times we played <laughs> maybe. So I, I was not here to to dream crush him this this Sunday. We so yeah, uh, good job. Yeah, I really like how they've they've really changed the list. I think every time I look at this list, I always praise the Wandering Emperor and Dress Down. Just really, really sweet. I mean, I think this is one of the lists I'm going to be trying on stream as, when, as soon as I come back, to be honest. Yeah, people love blue-white control. It's an addiction. <laughs> what do you think about um, Tanishi Bloom then going forward because you've been playing this for easily or been following it for easily over a month now and it, with the making one top eight i mean 
It's still winning games. Is this something that you could see? You know, like, for example, Hammer Time a long time ago was like a meme deck, and then now it's, you know, no one's surprised to play against Hammer Time. Do you think it's yeah. going to be staying in the format? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's well-rounded. I don't think it's easy to hate. My results have been good for the, with the deck, but I don't know. For some reason, I feel like four color um, regular four-color um, that's probably just a better deck. And I keep I keep thinking the, the Temeshi deck, maybe I'm just running hot when I do well, but you know, maybe I should maybe I should play it more, maybe I should keep iterating and tuning the list and whatnot. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Wait, wait, which I've been doing and you know, I tried not playing Finale of Devastation because I felt like maybe it was one of the weaker cards and I was playing a one Mishra's bubble, which was kind of cool. I was playing the Footfall Creator technology, the the Aura Enchantment that gives a, one of your creatures haze that you can cycle. So that's like two extra cards you can bring back with Tameshi. Hmm. So yeah, no, the the deck is good. Maybe I'll I'll give it a shot again. Maybe I'll try to the explore build and and see what happens. Maybe I'll actually use Alice to record my channel my my video for uh, for CIB this week because um, I'm still playing a lot of arena and stuff, and I need to test, but I need to find a deck to play in modern, so maybe that'll be it. Okay. I think, um, do you want to touch on the Explorer bands today? Released I actually didn't even know there was Explorer bands. I haven't, people have been asking, you know, why I'm playing Historic and not Explorer, <laughs> and, you know, it's because there's a set championship deck list are due uh, this Sunday, so I've been focusing on these formats, and... Do you know what got banned? Yeah, they actually banned Winota and Tibalt's Trickery. Um, I think... I don't know their exact reason, but it's kind of obvious. I mean, they've shown in the past they hate Tibalt's Trickery, and Winota yeah. is really powerful in best of one. But that also makes me question, because isn't Explorer essentially Pioneer? I mean, what are they trying to say here, banning Winota? Is that saying they're going to chop it in Pioneer as well? It's Pioneer Light, meaning the decks are less powerful. So maybe we know it as, you know, almost as powerful in Historic, but the other decks are not. So we know it as better in Pioneer than it is in Historic. And Tibalt Trigger is probably just a best of one thing. It's, it might have a lot to do with best of one. You know, that's people, I know I know a while ago they said people pay more, way more best of one than best of three. So it yeah. might have to do with that. Yeah, Twitch chat has enlightened us that they said Winoda is only being temporarily banned um, because it's just not a fun deck to play against in best of one. Makes sense. So I'm not not too concerned about that. So really no no changes to the format. I haven't played it. All I know is that it's not properly Pioneer right now. I, I do remember you playing a bit of it on your Twitch stream. Is there any kind of impressions on the format? Yeah, I mean, I tried it a bit. I wasn't super excited about it. It didn't seem like the most interesting format, mostly because... It's just another pioneer, you know, it's kind of the yeah. same thing. So, you know, if, if, if they make it a, a, a format at some point, uh, it's not a format I'm super excited to try out, but I probably will at some point. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I think that, um, to me, honestly, I, I don't really have any care that they've put it on Arena. I think the only thing that would make me go to Arena is putting Modern Arena, but... I don't know if that's something they're working towards. Do you think? No, no, no yeah. way. Already, they 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 want to try to get Pioneer on Arena, which is 
Yeah. You, honestly, you haven't really sold me on Pioneer talking about how it's a combo format and each player is just trying to do their own thing. <laughs> doesn't, sound, doesn't sound very fun, you know? I think the thing is, is that I take enjoyment in... I do my thing, I click F6, and if F6 in their turn, go back to doing my work, and then I do my combo F6, do, you know what I mean? It's like very, very, uh, almost brain-dead magic, to be honest. I, I'm so, I've played so many leagues with green now, I don't really get into new spots, just kind of thinking about the opening hands, and I'm grinding so much money. I think I've made like almost 300 tickets now, which is wow. great change, been just selling those to mana traders, so... Yeah, I've been I've been loving that, but I think honestly, shout out to Card Market. I probably will be buying green, um, if they don't ban Nykthos. And you know the own I don't like to be the person who's like, oh, I'm, I they're so gonna ban this card. But in a sense of buying a whole deck, I mean, it's like it'll be about four hundred euros to buy, and um. You know, I'm just thinking, is this 400 euros that I could probably get a bit back from? Or if they ban Nykthos, am I losing everything? Because, you know, four Cavalier of Thorns, four Old Growth Troll. You know, these to me are kind of junk, junk cards, right? They're not going to be played in anything else, to be honest. Unless after Nykthos is banned, it's still okay. But... You could maybe play the troll if there's some company deck, you know, just Monogreen Company, maybe Great Henge or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's true. I mean, I, I definitely want to get in there in the in the paper competitive scene. So, you know, I need to start buying cards or at least finding a way to get cards. So, I think that's why. Also, I'm just, everyone's kind of putting up with Pioneer because people need to know the format. You know, it's about to be all these PPT, uh, sorry, these, is it PPTQs? I don't even remember. Well, it's a, format for, it's a format for the regional championship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. the, the, the qualifiers, the PPTQs, you know, equivalent is, it can be anything. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, so I, I think I'm just getting stuck in there. I don't, I'm not really concerned about the format is fun or not because I'm making tickets and I'm, <laughs> you know, having little, little thinking to, to be done. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make that money rain. But, um, yeah, was there anything else that, you wanted to talk about? You, you no, not a ton. I've been, I, I, yeah, I've been playing a lot of standard. I don't really want to get you know, too much into into detail. Mm. Um, standard and historic, so I'll, I'll pass on that, but we can probably talk about it somewhere next week. And yeah, I'll kind of just keep it short and sweet this, this weekend. Uh, this week, we didn't play a ton of, of Modern and Pioneer. It's good with me. I got some revision to do. Got numerical analysis exam on Friday. Sounds exciting. Yeah, it's not. But um, <laughs> uh, what is it? I guess. Do you want to wrap up the episode? Yeah. Put our lives on the line. Little, little uh, prices right. Yeah, let's do it. So I guess for those new listening, don't know what life on the line is. It's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. Going to bring a deck list from every format we've talked about today. So it's going to be pioneer and modern. I will start things off easy as it is. I will play mono green. I'm not copying Cherry's list, even though he made the semis of the Pioneer Showcase. I'm going to go with my own list, which is Cherry's list. But instead of a third Graft Digger's Cage, I'm playing a third Voracious Hydra. Um, in modern, I will just go with Living End. You know, I mean, just cycle creatures and cast Living End. It's so easy. 
Kappa. Um, I'm, I'll just hope that I high roll with Livian, to be honest, and hope that I live. What about you, Gab? I'm going to play Niv in Pioneer, and I'm going to play... Oof. I think I'm going to go with Stameshi Bloom in, in Modern. Ooh. Okay. So then for the price is right, why don't we pick a card from Tanishi Bloom? I felt like we already did that, but we could pick another one. Oh, okay. See. Well, what card? Because didn't we do, didn't we do Cultivator Colossus a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah, because it's a mythic. Okay, are there any mythics in mono? In Oh, I guess we've kind of done mono green stuff as well. Um... Why don't just do like Misty Rainforest? Or do you know what the cards were? Oh, I mean I have I have a guess. I have a guess, that's about it. We can do Misty Rainforest. Well, let's do Misty Rainforest, why not? Okay, you got a price in mind? I honestly have no idea what fetches are let's see, are fetches expensive ones or are shockland like so fetches, fetches are expensive and Misty Rainforest is a really good one. All right, I have a price, but I'm actually clueless. Okay, three, two, one, 47. Tw- 20 euros. 47? Oh my God, I'm so <laughs> far off. <laughs> Didn't you reprint them a bunch? Okay, so which set? You can choose. You got Modern Horizons 2, Zendikar Rising. I mean, aren't they kind of all the same price? Sure, I'll do, I'll do Modern Horizons 2. Modern Horizons 2 on card... Mo- Wait, What? Modern Horizons 2 on card market, Misty Rainforest, the average price for 30 days is 22 euros and 71 cents? Got him. I literally Finally. bought Misty Rainforest at, at, at like 40 quid. I guess that was like four years ago, though. But... <laughs> yeah, they reprinted them a bunch in the past few years. I think they got much cheaper. Right. Oh. I remember paying so much for these magic cards. What the heck? Oh, Harry thought he was pulling a fast one. He's like, well, I know the price because I bought some four years ago. <laughs> Literally. Justice. Yeah, okay. Classic classic karma. Well, because you won, Gab, you can share your socials first. Where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, just Twitch, um, Yellow Hat, twitch.tv slash Yellow Hat, Twitter at Gab Nassif. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's it. You can find me May 24th, YouTube at HarryMTG and Twitch, HarryMTG. I'm coming back, baby. And I guess for all those uh, podcasting listeners that make it this far, we've got big changes coming to the podcast. Um, not not kind of content-wise, but we're going to do like a rehaul of um, our art and our Twitter. And also, we've got a community Discord coming. So keep your eyes peeled for that. So, and also, we want to thank anyone who's left a review. We've seen almost, I think, 25 of you, 30 have left reviews on iTunes. We see all of them. Thank you so much. And if you leave a review on any other podcast app as well, we really appreciate you. So thank you as well for that. Yeah, he's not kidding. Literally nothing gets Harry more excited than a a good (laughs) review and someone that takes, you know, a few minutes to write something, uh, something sweet and, uh, in the review so yeah yeah awesome and i guess we made it this far into the episode thank you very much and we'll catch you guys next week yeah thanks for uh, thanks for listening everyone take care and have a great week